You're listening to The Dugout, a college baseball match podcast. Today, Eric and I talk about high academics and why if you want to attend a high academic school, you need to start with a solid foundation. And the goal is to basically see the end in mind when you first start. We talk about class load, GPA, and more. Eric, uh, you know, we get these listener emails and, and all this good feedback, and we have a lot of questions that we often have to walk through. But, you know, we had a special, I think, uh, shout out from Twitter from a particular listener who listens with his son. His name's Artie from San Diego. And they really wanted to kind of talk about high academics and, and kind of thinking about the recruiting process for high academics. So that kind of made me, you know, start thinking like ac- the academic pillar is something that's often overlooked. No, it, it, it absolutely is. And it really struck me when I really started to spend some time with Dean Stotts from Stanford about five years ago, that if you desire to get into one of the top 10 schools in the country, that process really starts your freshman year of high school. Um, the, 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 the fact is most of these schools eliminate more applicants on coursework than they do on grade point average or test scores. And so to, to pursue a high academic school, and when, when we talk about a high academic school, we're, we're talking about a Stanford where you have a com- combination of high academics and high athletics. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that process really starts your, your freshman year. And on our product, that would be represented probably on the higher ends and spectrums of the tier one academic it, it absolutely is. I yeah. mean, it's 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 rare air. I mean, I think Vanderbilt also falls into that category where you're talking about what we would call a one-one, which is uh, the top of the the tier in terms of academics and the top of the tier in terms of athletics. Right. And you know, you run uh, hard ninety baseball, and and you know, one of the things I know you deal with a lot is you deal with athletes that are in high school. There's a lot of great high schools in the area. Some college preps. Um, and things like that. So what do you tell your athletes that you're working with um, who are balancing academics and athletics? And, and is there anything you kind of tell them to kind of help with that? Well, you, you know, I think the, the, the key is, and, and everybody says this, but a lot of times this is, is lip service and, and we truly mean it. Your academics have to come first. I mean, when, when you look at the odds of paying your bills long-term with your athletics, Uh, They're just stacked against you. And so the idea here is uh, you have the opportunity to leverage sport to get an education. And and Dean Stotts says it well in his 37 years at Stanford. He coached 63 big leaguers, but only six of them made enough money to set themselves up for life. So you're you're talking about a one-one, right? The pinnacle of academics and athletics. And if only six players achieved that mecca, um, your academics is extremely important. And so w- when you talk about the academics and the athletics, and I had uh, Gary Davenport from the Giants in, in here the other night, and we were just talking about um, the requirements to be a standout high school player today. And you're talking about a several day a week commitment to your craft. Uh, five to seven days a week. And when you really start unpeeling how many hours that is, and and as you know, we have a combine going on right now. Um, These players are training at Hard 90 Baseball three days a week, three hours a time. 
and that's in the structured combine. Mm -hmm. They have three additional days that they have to spend an hour throwing outside of there. And I know that several of them hit on those three days as well. So, so let's add another two hours on the three additional days. And then because they're fielders, they're actually doing fielding classes outside of that. So you're, you're talking about a 20 hour a week athletic commitment in the off season. Right. So that's not factoring in games and the like, this is just hardcore training to stand out or become a collegiate athlete. And so when you look at that, when do you have time for academics? Mm -hmm. And it's back to why we're doing this, which is the academic piece. And so the, the word grind often comes up. And as you know, I have a high school age son and we were up at uh, midnight uh, two nights ago, actually, because he's in finals right now. And he was just talking about how he's tired. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this process is going on because, you know, he's got 20 plus hours a week of baseball training. Um, and then he's going to a very rigorous school and he's now got to study outside of that. And, and the grind is real. It is a real grind. Right. And, you know, the college coach down in uh, the South put it like this, you know, and, and it applies to high school as well. You know, you got three things going on. You got academics, you've got athletics and you've got social you can only do two really well. And, and unfortunately, that's playing into high school now as well. Yeah. And so athletes that want to go to a high academic school, you're looking at 20 hours a week in the classroom outside or I'm sorry, for the classroom outside of school. Right. And so now you're, you're looking at an additional 40 hour a week commitment. I mean, that's a pretty serious commitment. But, you know, as Gary Davenport and I put it, it really comes down to time management. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great point. Um, and I think it's it's really helpful that the earlier you're able to kind of make that a priority for yourself and the earlier you're able to understand that that's the commitment it takes, um, the more likely you are to be able to succeed if you put in the actual work. And so yeah, I know you say all the time, but it is true. If you really want to go play at a high academic program, you need to start with the end in mind. No, you, you absolutely do. And, and to, to fast forward and, and we talk about this at all, which is why the match and the fit are so important is you don't want to go to a school that you're not a match for academically. And so really finding that out. Um, and again, if you, if you aspire to go to the highest level to succeed at the college, that's high academic, you've got to have great time management schools and great study habits. Mm -hmm. And, and really that starts your freshman year in high school. Right. And it's not just that it's it's and I think a lot of people get caught up in the requirements from a GPA perspective and a test score perspective, which which are very, very important. But also it's it's about course load. And Dean Stotts talks about this all the time. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, it, it is. I mean, it, it, it really comes down to if, if you want to go to a Stanford, a Duke, a Vanderbilt. We, we had the opportunity to talk to one of the admissions folks at, at one of those schools uh, about 12 months ago. And. Um, AP classes are required at those schools right. because what they're looking for is they want to see that you took the toughest available coursework at your school. And the key word that was brought up over and over again is challenging yourself in the classroom. Yeah. And, and how they, they tell that is, are you taking AP classes? Right. And, you know, Dean Stott's 
also says, you know, he, he often gets questions of, should I take a course load that I know I can do well in and get A's in, or should I take a uh, honors course? What looks better? And Dean's answer is always deadpan. It's you take the honors course and you get an A. There's right. no question really about that and around that. And so what I'm kind of hearing you say is um, you need to have the end in mind. You need to take AP and honors classes early and often and do well. And then you also need to keep working on your actual skill set from a physical tools perspective and from a playing perspective. So there's obviously a lot on on the plate and the grind is real. There's a lot to juggle and, and the grind is real. But I think the other thing that's really important as parents is we have to be realistic with the type of student that we have. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to challenge them in the classroom. but. Every student is not an AP level student. Right. And, you know, we talk about this all the time. You know, if if you show up, sit at the front of the class and turn in your work, mm-hmm. getting a B average is attainable for most students. Right. But sitting in calculus in high school mm-hmm. is not for all students. Right. And I think really understanding or assessing what type of student you have is important because as we talked about, the grind is real. You also don't want to put your, your, your student in a situation where they're over their heads as well. And just because you're not a, uh, what we would call a, a top 25 academic school student mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you can't go to some wonderful universities out there that are going to set you up for the rest of your life uh, in success in, in whatever you want to do. So, you know, I would say w- while the grind is real, we also have to realize we are dealing with young human beings who are still developing their interests. And I think, you know, looking at what is a realistic expectation is also important, particularly as you look at both the academic and the athletic side of the equation. Yeah, no, that's terrific advice. Um, I think we'll definitely have to kind of dig into this a lot deeper, especially with um, bringing Emma Wadiak back on the podcast. I'm sure she'd have a lot to say in this regard, as well as maybe trying to talk to Dean again about uh, his experience with the Stanford admissions process and athletes. Um, but that'll be for another time. Uh, we have uh, another question, another listener email that came in. Um, this one is from Carter. Uh, he's from Long Beach, California, and he writes, um, how long should I expect to increase my throw tool? Well, so that, that's an interesting thing, Tom, and it, it really hits on to our product, which why our, our product, College Baseball Match, is unique. Because if you have a dream school that you want to go to, you can actually get on our product and see what uh, tools you have to achieve in high school to be able to give yourself a chance to play at that school. And so Carter here is talking about the throw tool and velocity. And so uh, that's a very important uh, measurement in, in baseball, and it, it factors heavily into our algorithm. Mm-hmm. And as you know, we're running a combine right now, which uh, uh, features the uh, driveline baseball program uh, for our, our, our throwers and pitchers. Yeah. And we, we actually did interim measurements. It's a uh, three-month program or, or 12 weeks, and we did interim measurements last night, which was at the six-week mark. Mm-hmm. And what we saw across the students in our combine is on average, over the last six weeks, they picked up four miles an hour on their, their throwing velocity. And so I would say a good program is anywhere between six and 12 weeks, and you should start seeing gains six weeks into that program. 
The other thing I do want to take this opportunity to point out, because I'm, I'm very passionate about uh, improvements and, and uh, testing, uh, teaching, and then training and, and retesting, is um, this velocity program we have going on is not just for pitchers. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually have three catchers in the program because the throw tool uh, pertains to all positions. Right. And, and, and you never know where you're going to end up is, as you know, we had a professional team in at hard 90 baseball today um, that was um, testing a number of what they project to be top five round players. Right. And what was interesting in those conversations with the uh, executives at this professional team was uh, two of the players they're actually discussing different positions than they're actually even playing in college. Mm -hmm. And so I think this really emphasizes, again, the need to develop your tools. And I know this was a long-winded answer to it, but typically it takes about six weeks to start to see some gains. Right, but that development is you can never really quite be satisfied or be thinking that you won't necessarily need to develop a tool. Absolutely. Right. Well, Eric, as always, it's a pleasure. And again, um, if you have any other questions for the listeners out there, feel free to message us on Twitter, Instagram, however you can get it, as well as uh, email us at support at collegebaseballmatch.com. Thank you for listening to The Dugout, a college baseball match podcast. For more information about the college baseball recruiting process, visit our website, collegebaseballmatch.com. You can also find us on all social media channels. Do you have a question about the recruiting process that you'd like answered on the show? Email us at support at collegebaseballmatch.com. 